Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 84. <clears throat> we are extremely blessed to have Brian Holdsworth join us in the pub as he talks about being a disciple of Jesus, both online and in the home. <clears throat> so you're, uh, yes, you're like all the men that we get most of our registrations within the last week and... Mm. I don't know. We probably had in the neighborhood of 60 walk-ups. So mm, <laughs> this yeah. past weekend. So, yeah. All right. So if you were in the pub, what kind of uh, whiskey would I pour for you? <laughs> well, I actually have a pretty strong sensitivity to alcohol. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I, I tend to, um, it's, it's a treat for me when I do it, but, um, I actually, a friend showed me this maple whiskey. I don't even remember the name of it uh, fairly recently. It comes in like these cheesy um, maple, maple leaf, leaf designs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was a lot of fun. That's that's a little, it, it goes down a little too smooth that you don't really realize how much you're drinking when you have that. But uh, that's the most recent whiskey I've ever had. But I've never been much of a whiskey drinker, I don't think. Uh, that's okay. We're, we welcome everybody into the pub and try to serve mm. them whatever they'd like to have. So we, Sure. Pipe, pubs they have beer wine water yep yeah uh, i'm 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 mostly a beer drinker i would say if, if i was okay. going to drink something yeah well i'm still at work though so i'm i'm just i'm drinking coffee well this is now my full-time job so nice <laughs> is, is what were you doing before that uh as of last wednesday <clears throat> was my retirement day from 33 and a half years of policing so Oh, wow. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hmm. So now, now, yeah, I couldn't do this, uh, on my job before, but, uh, now my hmm. new job, it's, it's part of my, my role to, right. to have a gram with some friends and, uh, to be hospitable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for those, welcome to the pub. And, uh, for those that don't know Brian Holdsworth, who's Brian Holdsworth? Well, um, I am a husband and a father of seven, uh, living in the Edmonton, Alberta area. Um, I'm a, a convert to the church about 16 years ago. I can never actually remember how long it's been. I, I, I should know that, but, uh, uh, as a convert, it's, 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 uh, I, I don't want to speak for other converts, but I, my experience has been that you have a, a heart for what you're leaving behind. It's very difficult to, to, to let go. And specifically the people that uh, are not coming with you on this journey uh, of encounter with the Lord. So I've always felt a very strong uh, impulse and instinct to want to be involved in something evangelistic and something, um, something missionary. And so for as long as I have been Catholic, I I've been involved in something, um, some sort of ministry, some sort of apostolate. And uh, more recently, uh, because of the the nature of my domestic life and vocation, um, making it really difficult for me to you know join choirs and things like that, 
uh, I uh, I found myself doing a bit of a video apostolate uh, that that works well with with my work schedule and the type of work that I do. And uh, so I started a, a YouTube channel a few years back, and um, and that's been that seems to be where the Lord has been calling me uh, for the past few years since then. And that's given me lots of opportunities to to speak to, uh, to people about. Uh, my own experience of being a Catholic, trying to uh, trying to understand what it is that we believe, and then trying to communicate some of the insights that I stumble upon along the way. Well, and and yeah, it's become very popular. As I was explaining to you earlier, like uh, Chris Lopez on the on our Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance team, he's a big mm -hmm. fan of your your videos, and and it's it's so encouraging because as you the audience can tell, there's little more gray hair on this side of the screen than uh, <laughs> on yours and it for sure. for us at God squad we're extremely excited when we see young men like yourself uh, taking on that role of of evangelist or disciple mm -hmm. uh, just trying to be part of the conversation in the culture and you mm -hmm. how often are you doing your videos? The aim has been once a week, but uh, I'm always looking for ways to try to increase that. Um, but but for the time being, um, it's 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 once a week. I still have to uh, focus on my day job enough that uh, I'm, I'm providing for my family, so uh, I have to kind of balance those things out. I hear you. We were, I was aiming for once a week as well with this show, and yeah. uh, I was doing okay until yeah, uh, we we had some stuff thrown in the the wrench uh in the works by my dad passing away birth mm. of twin granddaughters and funerals and retirements and so we're we're getting back on the saddle we've had a couple episodes now and uh i want to thank you for taking time out of your day to to join us and and uh be part of of the conversation and the the premise is we talk about faith family, food, and fun, and I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure you can handle all of those because you're you're very outspoken, or not mm -hmm. outspoken, you you like to talk about your faith and your faith sure, journey yeah. with others, and mm -hmm. is, there, is there a favorite episode that has resonated that maybe surprised you? Um, from, from my channel? Yes. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite i can i could say that there are favorite themes that i like to return to um culture is a big theme um it's it's something that i've always felt very a strong draw towards but never really understanding what that that draw is towards right i i've never been able to really define it in in concrete ways um but i feel like the church's tradition has given me uh a vernacular and and an understanding that I can operate within that, that has really helped me, and I think it, it's something that's lacking in the church today. So it's it's something I like to to talk about as much as possible because I don't think there are a lot of people talking about it, at least maybe not in the same way. Um, so that's that's a really important focal point for me. Um, kind of the mere Christianity basics. Uh, I haven't done a lot on that recently, but that, I would say that's a passion for me. Um, no, no matter how catechized I get or how much my understanding grows of the faith, um, I still love a good basic apologetic of, of the faith that, that is meant 
to resonate with people who are not familiar with the faith um, that can help draw them in and get them thinking about it in things that they haven't so far and, and, and to break down some of their prejudices in the, in the process. That's one of the most satisfying things for me is when someone comments on my channel, um, something to the effect of, um, I thought I understood Catholicism or Christianity to be a certain way, but I've never heard someone talk about it the way that you're talking about it right now. And, and that's giving me pause to think about it a little bit more. And um, I don't think that that's a fault of, of, of other apologists necessarily or, or other evangelists. It's just that the real authentic um, faith uh, doesn't get out there much. There's either a lot of counterfeits out there or there's a lot of um, adversarial voices who would want to tell the story of Catholicism for us. And they are very good at getting uh, stealing the spotlight, so to speak. Uh, and, and installing prejudices, uh, especially among young people. So when we're able to get out there and tell them what the what it is we actually believe, sometimes they're really shocked and surprised by that um, in, in all walks of life, uh, depending, regardless of what their background is. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. A couple things that came to mind, well, just when you were talking about uh, <clears throat> getting the, the message out where my wife was lamenting on how hard that can be in our culture today, especially in mainstream media, and and there is that portrayed bias where they lump all Christians into something like a the guys protesting funerals and stuff like that. Right. The, sure. the, the Westboro Baptists, I think they were, yeah. or, you know, mm -hmm. or God hates gays. Well, that's not what our church teaches at all if you go to the right. catechism but that's a label that we wear and we just had father raymond d'souza who is mm. likes to speak into the culture too uh, from mm. a catholic perspective so he's uh he was very well received at our at our conference and and over the we just had our 26th annual men's conference and it's interesting how different speakers resonate with different people and mm -hmm. your voice obviously resonates with a number of of people which is 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 awesome to hear so yeah yeah definitely yeah the the um uh, let's call it the art of evangelism uh, uh, which is really an art of the holy spirit is is uh, it's something that is multifaceted actually my friend um Dr. Ryan Topping, who you may have met before, he just, I'm going to grab it here. He just published this book about uh, St. John Henry Newman. Okay. I don't know if your viewers will be able to see that. But it's it's a really interesting um, exposition of, of, of Newman. And one of the things that he points out uh, is that um, conversion is something that happens through accumulation, an accumulation of experiences or ideas um, that when multiplied together will amount to something like a conversion, right? And and we don't really know how those experiences will all mix together. Um, it's really, a, that's what makes it such a, a, a conspiracy of the Holy Spirit. But the role that we could play in that is potentially quite small, right? There's just a, a small witness or a small seed that we've planted in somebody's life. And over the course of their life, they may... Those may all germinate together until one day they realize that they have quite a bit more sympathy for uh, the faith, let's say, um, than they would have otherwise if, if those things didn't accumulate. And so 
there might even be an aspect of mystery to to what it is that that, that inspires somebody to finally take that that uh, that initiative to to encounter God more seriously in their lives. And, and that's so important. Like you talked about mere Christianity, Jeff Caven talks about the charisma, like that basic message. And and our guest last week talked about being one of a hundred people that they would come across that so we're we're doing our part uh and and just trying to listen to the holy spirit as to speak to this person from the heart and show them the love of christ uh but uh, i love jeff cavens when he talks about this woman who was listening oh you're a catholic yeah i got this problem and this problem and this problem and this to try and d- break that down could take months <laughs> and he just shakes his head and he goes kind of what I do know is God loves you, has an amazing plan for you. Sin has gotten in the way, you know, the, the basic charisma and it just broke down the walls like crazy to the next day he offered her to come to mass with him. <laughs> so this woman that had all these problems with the Catholic church is going to mass <laughs> within a day and 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 it's it's those disarming tactics that that break down those walls right yeah absolutely um it's it's easy to conceive in our own minds what will lead to a person's conversion if we can just have that silver bullet um argument let's say um, and sometimes yeah. that will work for people maybe that's the last thing that needs to accumulate for them but on the whole, it's it's generally a lot more complicated than that. And sometimes it's a certain kind of speaker that will resonate with them, a certain kind of a book, a certain kind of relationship. And there are degrees of conversion as well. I know that my conversion initially just to the idea of the existence of God and, and the role of Christ in, in the Blessed Trinity was one that came through relationships. Um, it was very much a conversion of heart. But then later on, I had to overcome this question of, okay, now, how do I, how do I live as a Christian? What, where, what church do I go to? How do I interpret the Bible? And that became a question of history and theology and very much a conversion of the mind. Um, so those things had to kind of come together and work together. And all along the way, there needed to be some kind of an openness um, from me to the direction of the Holy Spirit and, and a kind of a humility because it meant going against what I wanted to do. I mean, there were there were moments where uh, I wanted to chart a course towards, let's say, an evangelical church that I had been exploring and, and attending because every Sunday there was about a thousand young adults who were meeting there. At the Catholic church, which I was also exploring, there were zero young adults attending there at the time. And I just thought, you know, this Catholicism stuff is making sense to me. You know, the historical claims, the theological claims, the philosophical claims but I don't want to end up there. That place just looks sad, you know? Um, and so how those things all blend together, I mean, it's different for, for different people at different stages of life. And, and it's just important for us to be open to the Holy Spirit, to allow him to use us uh, as witnesses in the ways that are best according to his design, I think. And, and that's a challenge, obviously. So was there any one thing that, or, uh, what attracted you in the end to hmm. taking that leap into the Catholic Church? Hmm. I think the uh, the depth of history. Um, one of the things that I did once I became convinced that that God existed and that um, 
Jesus played a role in that. I didn't quite understand what, what it meant, what the incarnation meant. I didn't have a sort of a, a, an incarnational theology in mind. I didn't even really understand what the Trinity meant, but I understood that Jesus was a messenger of God. Let's put it that way. So the first thing I started doing was reading the Bible, starting with the New Testament. The Old Testament was too enigmatic for me. I just, I didn't know where to start there. So I started reading the Gospels and the one of the first things that was abundantly clear to me was that Jesus had an authority, um, an authority that was offensive at times to his hearers. They thought he was speaking blasphemy because he was doing things like forgiving sins, which they understood to be the sole province of God. Only God can forgive sins. It's one thing to be a healer and a prophet, but you can't forgive sins, right? Um, and he was um, he was adamant that he could forgive sins, um, uh, indicating his di- his divine nature. Um, and he spoke with authority um, in spite of some of the stereotypes we have about Jesus being this sort of um, docile, uh, almost impotent friend who will just approve of us and endorse us where we are. It's like the Jesus of the Gospels was was um, an authoritative, um, commanding presence in the way that he taught, in the way that he lived his life, uh, and in the things that he said. So, So that was the first thing that was very clear to me. The second thing was that that divine authority that he possessed he was he was transferring um, to his apostles, to people that he had uh, he had personally chosen and then commissioned for the work that he had started because he wasn't sticking around. The incarnation wasn't going to be uh, an everlasting experience of the kind that that generation had. He wasn't going to walk among them every generation the way he did among that generation. Um, and so he was leaving his his disciples in charge. He was giving them the keys to his kingdom and saying that they could bind and loose a, according to their own teachings and their own authority. He gave them authority to forgive sins. Again, that, that authority that we understood to be very uniquely divine. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, that's the church. And then I understood how the church was operating by the way that they... They wrote epistles. They wrote scripture themselves. They had the authority to write scripture. They had the authority to resolve very controversial disputes, like should the Gentiles get uh, circumcised? And then they proclaimed, they made a binding decision upon the entire church. So in reading about that, I thought to myself, well, where is this church that exercises that kind of authority um, that has this sort of ancient pedigree and as far as I could tell, it was the Catholic Church was the only one within my scope of vision that even laid claim to something like that. Um, the Protestants didn't even act like they had that kind of authority. Um, so it seemed clear to me that what Scripture was depicting about the nature of the Church and about what Christ's intention for the Church was, was far more consistent with more of a Catholic vision, uh, an ancient apostolic vision uh, of the Church than anything I was getting at the... Uh, at the, the Protestant churches that I was exploring. Wow. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's when I hear you, I, I get the feeling that it's the same journey that Jordan Peterson seems to be bringing mm. so many young men in. Cause my, my son's been following him quite a bit. Okay. And, and just a recent one where he talked about pointed to the Catholic church about being redeemed and and okay. being being able to go to confession and get right with God because uh, mm. the mm-hmm. atheist that he was having the conversation with that was his problem with religion. There was no way to 
reconcile yourself to God. So okay. it was, hmm. uh, so it, it's interesting that those conversations are taking place and, and God, I believe the Holy Spirit is doing something right now that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And just to be part of the ride is, is a blessing. And, uh, Hmm. So you're a father of seven, you said. That's right. Yep. Wow. So that must, uh, is there a dad dish? Is there something that you prepare for the family that uh, <laughs> brings the usually, kids to the table? Usually it's ordering pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm more the, uh, the, the Sunday breakfast guy because we, uh, our Sunday is out, so the the church that we attend is is about half an hour away. It's it's well into the city, and um, typically we stick around after mass. So in the wintertime, there's a there's a skating rink across the street, so we will often have a great big game of pickup hockey. All the dads will get in there, and 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 the kids will. There's usually about thirty people on the ice. It's just complete chaos. So um, if uh, if the if you like an orderly game of hockey, it's probably not for you. But uh, but the rest of us seem to enjoy it. Um, so, but all of that translates into something like a uh, five hours out of the house a lot of the time. And so usually what I'll do is I'll make a, um, just a, a giant mound of pancakes or waffles or something like that in the morning. And so kids will have that for breakfast, and then we'll pack those all up, and they'll become our source of fuel for the rest of the day. Um, so that's that's kind of my specialty. That that's awesome, and. What you're talking about, I think, is so important, especially for for dad, young dads out there, or, is mm-hmm. is creating those memories yeah. uh, with their kids. Where, like my older kids, this was back when we had sa- Saturday morning cartoons, and I'd make mm-hmm. pancakes, and we'd we'd have sit have pancakes and sit and watch. Saturday morning cartoons together, just creating those, those, uh, memories. So that sounds awesome. Hmm. Yeah. My wife is really big on, on memories. Um, whenever we're planning a vacation or anything like that, um, her, her, her biggest thrill is if she can be confident that the kids have formed good memories out of that. And the kids know this about her too. They actually use it against her now because if they want, if they want to do something that we might not want to do, they'll, um, they'll uh, they'll sweeten the deal by saying, "Oh, it would be such a great memory if we could go and do this." And then my wife's just like, "Okay, yeah, we're doing it. Let's let's go." Well, we've uh, <clears throat> we've done two great big trips. Uh, so we have eight children, and mm. uh, the older ones are probably around your era. And my okay. oldest is thirty eight, and uh, yeah, and then. So in 2000, she was 15, we needed to do the big trip and it was a uh, pilgrimage year. So we went to St. Joseph's Oratory, pulled the trailer wow. across Canada and and it was those those adventures where we pulled off the amethyst mind adventure where we're, we're pulling the trailer down this dirt road up and down, right. worried we're, where are we going because there's no place to turn around, but those create those lasting memories that we still talk about. So that's, yep. uh, that's exciting. That's great. Uh, what, what wisdom would you share with, especially the young men? Uh, hmm. So what wisdom would you like to share with men, but especially the young men? 
So do you mean men who maybe aren't aren't paired off or haven't haven't taken up a vocation just yet? Like I was I was a school resource officer in a high school of 2000. I'm still going to coach rugby right after we finish. Mm. And and beyond, right? You got your CCO guys or you've got young men that are searching. Mhm or an answer to God, mm. to mm-hmm. life. Uh, what wisdom would you like to... Sh- I used to ask the question, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? But uh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. looking look at... I mean, in some ways, my 18-year-old self um, grew up in a very, very different world than, than the kinds of challenges and temptations that uh that 18 year olds today are living with and, and they're not the kind that i think i can fully appreciate i can to some degree because there are temptations for me as well but i didn't uh i wasn't raised with them you know i wasn't exposed to some of these things as a kid when i didn't i didn't have the the capacity to really choose it um but you know something that transcends some of those generational distinctions would be virtue uh, i wish that someone had taught me about virtue at an age in which it would have made a difference in my life. I mean, it, the, it's all, it, it makes a difference no matter what, but there are, there are times when uh, seasons of life that are more formative in which you can incorporate these kinds of principles uh, much more easily than, it, it's, it's easier to build up virtue than it is to dismantle vice and then build up virtue, if you know what I mean. And yeah. by the time I started to discover these concepts, I was well on my way to uh, having built up some pretty serious vices. There were people, there were influential people in my life who, who, who did teach something like virtue ethics, um, but they didn't understand it to be, they didn't understand it to be that. They were just kind of constructing their own uh, instinctive understanding of what that might be and then, and then sharing that. In fact, that evangelical church I was going to had a, a preacher who, who would often preach something like virtue ethics um, that he had just invented himself but not fully grounded in the intellectual tradition that, that is behind that. But, you know, if someone had exposed me to um, justice, prudence, temperance, fortitude, the cardinal virtues, um, certainly as a, as a Christian, I had some sense of what faith, hope, and love meant. I heard of these concepts, and, and I was experiencing them in my own, my own application of discipleship. But, uh, but the cardinal virtues and, and the kinds of qualities that uh, are needed for, especially for men to to... Uh, exercise their strength in ways that uh, that the world needs. Um, it really helps to have that understanding. So just being exposed to what those are and and how to develop them and how to cultivate them. Um, the next thing I would say is that um, the world needs holy men right now, and by that I don't just mean people who have a sort of a sense of piety or that they're morally good necessarily, um, but people who are set apart from the world. Like that's what the, that's what the word sacred or holy means. It means to be set apart. Um, and it's just far too easy to float down the stream of, of, of the currents of fashion, whether they be ethical or, or intellectual fashion that, uh, that, that the culture tempts us into. Um, but we need men to set themselves apart, to withdraw from those currents. And really, that requires men who are going to make sacrifices um, to abandon their screens 
um, to a certain degree, to abandon some of the, the temptations that are inherent within the kinds of uh, leisure activities that most people just think are, are, are harmless, right? But in fact, they're, they're really not when they accumulate. So I would, I would encourage, I would have encouraged myself and I would encourage young men today to really take that call to holiness way more seriously than they are. Not to say that there aren't young men who are taking it seriously, but it's like you can almost never take it seriously enough. Um, be more radically converted and, um, and resolved to pursue the Lord and to love him with all your heart, mind and strength and soul. Um, and find good models that you can look to for that. And it's, it's something that, that really quite um, bothers me when I, when I see this, and it's far too common, is men who don't want to undertake the intellectual rigors of the faith. Um, because I can talk about virtues and I can introduce you to them, but you really have to study the faith. Um, and it's, it's a lifetime routine. It's a lifetime habit of, of studying. Um, get immersed in um, the great tradition of the faith. Read papal encyclicals. Read the philosophy that underpins our faith. Read Thomas Aquinas. Read Augustine. Read some of the church fathers like Athanasius or Cyril of Alexandria. Um, read contemporary apologists like C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton, or at least more contemporary than some of these ancient figures. Um, and and don't be discouraged by the fact that it's hard to read this stuff. It is hard, um, but that's not an excuse. Um, to be a disciple of Jesus is to pick up your cross and to do the work of discipleship. It's not just this easy, ah, he's going to pull me across the finish line. St. Paul says, I finished the race, right? So um, we likewise need to have that kind of radical resolve and intention to, to follow the Lord. And, and that's especially true for men. There's, there's a crisis of masculinity and femininity in our culture, but we need men to lead the way and, and to help renew the culture that's around us. Well, and that's where the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, God Squad Canada, we're, we're trying to raise up those leaders. We're, we're asking mm. men to put their hand up, say, I'm willing to stand up and be that leader in my parish, in my diocese, in my province, region. And uh, uh, the goal of the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance is to have a vibrant ministry to men going in every diocese in North America. And mm. they gave me the small task of Canada. So uh, there, but when you were talking about virtues and reading, a book came to mind, Boys to Men by Tim Gray and Curtis Martin, where it, mm. much, it very much talks about building virtues to make that happen, that, yep. that boys to men. Uh, so mm -hmm. th uh, that's, that's awesome. So the final question I, I ask is, we talk about riding with your posse. So who are your go-to saints? Who are your, mm. who are your top three that you, you call on frequently? Okay. Um, well, I would say St. Joseph has got to be a big one. Um, yep. When I was confirmed, I didn't really understand what it meant to, to have a confirmation saint. But um, the, the parish I was confirmed in was the Holy Family. And... Um, one of the things that attracted me to the Catholic Church was that it was one of the few voices in society that seemed to take this idea of an intact family as seriously as I did, because my parents split up when I was young, and 
I was devastated by it. And I thought it was, it bothered me that everyone, including other churches, just seemed to think that it was no big deal, right? It's just normal for people to get divorced. And I thought, man, I, uh, I'm, I continued this to this day to mourn the loss of, of my family. And so when I became Catholic, I felt like I was inheriting a new family in some respects. Um, but certainly the Holy Family was one that I, I would look to as, as my patron saints um, to, to provide for me what I, I knew um, we should all be uh, striving for in, in, in the domestic life. Um, so St. Joseph obviously stands out as a figure, obviously our Blessed Mother, um, St. Thomas Aquinas, his feast day is on my birthday, and um, I, uh, I really do identify with him, and I, he's the one I will almost always invariably turn to when uh, I have a question of my own, when I'm stuck on something. Um, his, his, his writing is just, uh, uh, it's indispensable. Um, some of the saints from our, our, our own family devotions, uh, St. Francis and St. Clair are, are big ones. Um, St. Mary Magdalene would be another pretty big one in our family. Um, St. James the Greater. Um, St. Edmund Campion is one that we've kind of added to our litany more recently. Um, so we've been, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, English, uh, sort of, uh, English martyrs and uh, English missionaries, um, through that Reformation period, we, uh, we were really drawn to, um, there's quite a few more, but I mean, those, yeah, that, that's yeah. just sort of a, a sample. And, that, and that's the beauty of the, the, the church is, is that communion of saints that yeah. there's so many to draw from and learn about and Absolutely. those role models that are more easily accessible today than I think ever before the, oh, yeah. the writings and it is, yes. is, is, is wonderful. And I very much identify with what you were talking about and i'm pretty sure that's why i'm so passionate about ministry to men and god squad canada 26th mm. annual conference was because i grew up in a broken family and yeah. uh, and uh it was like we uh i've been working hard to help so in policing, the policing is is that much higher divorce rate. And yeah. my goal was to leave the job with the same wife I started with. So I was hmm. successful in that because uh, as of Wednesday, I'm still married to the same wife. <laughs> so we, I've been very awesome. blessed. And uh, yeah. and uh, I want to thank, thank God for her. For, yes, <laughs> she, she's the saint. Uh, I'd like to take this time to thank you for visiting us in the pub, taking time out of your busy schedule. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but whiskey, the term, Gaelic term, is ishkabaha, which means water of life. And my mm. prayer is that you continue to lead many souls to the true water of life. And thank you for all you do for the, the church and the community. Thanks, Sean. That's very kind of you. And, and thanks for having me on. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Dram with Friends. Like and subscribe. Go to all podcast platforms to look for it on podcast or go to godsquad.ca to support our mission.